Just a warning, this episode contains tough conversations around suicide and mental health. If you feel that you might find it difficult to listen to, we have a whole backlog of episodes that you can go through. Listener discretion is advised. In order to go to lunch with her mum and dad, I'd done a detour via my mum's house to pick up a load of puppets. As you do. Just in case I've yeah. got to have some material. <laughs> Mental health is not an opinion, it's happening. That's why I'm very, very lucky that I've got to write a book. I can give it to you and I can let it go. You do what you like with it. Our next guest is an actor, a comedian, a magician, and now a best-selling author. Joe Trichini is here. Mm, and you can sing too. Yes. I was in the black hole of YouTube earlier. That's That can get a lot darker than me singing, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. That's a nice thing to say. Hello. And congratulations on being a best-selling author. That is fantastic. Thank you, Lorraine. 70% of that is because of you. So <laughs> thank you. No, no, it was. It bloody was. Because that when I first decided that this was going to be what I wanted to do, I contacted you before I'd done anything. I wrote an article that I was going to send to the Metro and you were the first person I got in touch with. To, well, no, I say first person, like I had a list. There was not a list. It was just Lorraine <laughs> might help written on a napkin. <laughs> um, and you did. And you have been so wonderful to me, but constantly. And I've got no idea how I will ever be able to thank you. Ooh, I, I don't I don't think you expect that from me, but no. you deserve it. Do you and know, also, hello, Rosie. Thank you. <laughs> the book is great. We both really enjoyed the yeah, book. Yeah, I the loved it. Honesty. Yeah. Thank you. So honest. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think because I, I was not honest mm -hmm. forever. Mm. And for me, I just thought I can't get any worse. Telling other people can't make the things that I've done worse. Um, it would either be the same or it might improve my life, especially with everything. You know, I didn't want to come to a new world. This is not, I'd only just got my hands around the last one. And I just was at a place where I thought, yeah, I might be able to not die here. And now we've all been forced into a new one. That is the happening. Mm. And I think that I'm very fortunate that I got an opportunity to write down those things because the kindest thing that any of us can do if we've got to go to a new world is leave the worst bits of the old one there. But writing that book, though, must have been really hard. Nightmare. To revisit all of those things in your life. Yeah, yeah, it was not good. Yeah, no, and I had not anticipated how difficult it was going to be. Uh, at any point, I deleted it twice. Really? Um, yeah, twice. The whole yeah. Thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. How long did it take you to do it then? Well, the first one was I'd worked on it for a year, and then I I, I deleted well I deleted about twenty five thousand words. That was sort of end of twenty twenty one. That was, and but it was they, that was uh, words that I wasn't a massive fan of, mm. and I left some. But then in January. It was about 40,000 words of, uh, and I, I did delete the entire thing, told my editor in a lift. Um, and I think I took it worse than anybody else. Uh, they were amazing. And yeah, yeah, that, that was an awful day. That was an awful oh. day. And bless Jamie, he's such a kind man, my editor. And his voice went up a couple of octaves. He had a higher <laughs> voice than my dad when I told him that. I'm like, well, that's fine. That's all right. It's all of them. Everyone, all 40,000, that's fine. So then we, that was the, you know, then... The majority of the beginning of this year was uh, everybody pulling together to just help me write the most honest account of what I have. And I am very, very lucky that I got and get to work with the people that I've worked with because they've been amazing. It's very difficult. People are very understanding of 
anybody having a mental illness until you start exhibiting symptoms of one. Mm. And then the vast majority of people bugger off without saying bye because they don't know how to help and they don't want to ask. And yeah. people like yourself and uh, the people that I work with are the opposite of that. Even though they don't understand, they've wanted to help. Ignorance is only a choice if you've been provided another way of looking at a situation. Mm. If, if, I, if I tell you what I live with and then you still go, well, it's not a thing, you're a prick. But... <laughs> That's essentially what I'm trying to do. Is I'm just trying to tell as many people as I can that I'm not all right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And you aren't. For those that don't know, what exactly is it that, you've, that you're dealing with on a daily basis? It's called borderline personality disorder. There used to be about four different uh, sort of personality disorders. They put them all under one bracket. Um, so officially, when I was first told about it, it was called emotionally unstable personality disorder. And I always preferred that title because it sounds worse. But they threw it under the, all the same umbrella and... It's difficult because it's uh, got the word personality in it. And I, it's nothing to do with my personality. That's mine. Mm. It's an emotional disorder. I, I feel things wrong. I feel too much at the wrong times or not enough when I'm supposed to. And that happens to uh, every facet of a day. And it makes uh, life feel uh, incredibly unlivable, um, which is why so many people that have it uh, try to kill themselves and 15% uh, succeed in that. A day doesn't go by where I'm not reminded of why people like me do take their own life because I, it's really hard being awake and mm. I always am. And it's just something that, is, again, it's society, life, uh, people don't have a way of responding to somebody that doesn't like themselves with anything other than positivity. Yes. So if I tell, in any, in any, anybody I know or don't know, if I say to you, I don't like me, then you'll say, oh, but you're lovely because mm -hmm. you're really nice. And I, like, that's not an accident. I know, I, I know and I am, I'm a good person inherently, yeah. but my brain does loads of stuff that makes me not like me. Mm -hmm. So all of the symptoms of the personality disorder yeah. create a hatred that I'm left with for myself. That's not gone anywhere. I've tried. I've tried. I've, I've stopped doing all the things and this is how I feel. So I have to find a way and I think that society has to find a way where you can just say, look, this is how I feel about me. Now we both know. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. Because right. I don't need I don't need anything. All I need is to not be on my own. And if you're here, I need you to know what page I'm on. So the page I'm on is I don't like me. I know you do. I know you mean that. That has to be enough for me to be able to then continue through my day. Right. And a book is a great place to do that because if you write a book, the person reading it can't do anything other than listen. Mm. And that's why I genuinely feel like it's great because I don't need somebody's opinion. Mental health, mental illness, it's not, it's not an opinion. It's happening. The, yes. the, the mm. things that I think are real. And that's why I'm very, very lucky that I got to write a book because that is now a thing uh, there is everybody says about the worst things that i've done that you, that i need to let them go but a lot of the worst things that i've done i don't feel like i deserve to let go but regardless you, you, you can't let go of something that you're not holding you've got to pick it up so yeah. that's what the book is so i wrote it all down so i can pick it up and i can give it to you and i can let it go and you do what you like with it but i'm sick of being the only person that knows that shit I've been. It's the honesty, isn't it? Yeah. You... And it's also the the humour in it. Yes. Ta. It's funny. It's really funny, Joe. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the thing. That's why I think it has really resonated with people. Mm. Because we 
genuinely, when we try and deal with things, humour is how yeah. we yeah. try. Laugh so you don't cry is probably why. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what gets you through, especially now with everything. Everything's funny in the end. Doesn't matter how bad the thing is, at some point that thing is going to be funny. When the worst things are happening to me, very difficult in the moment, but I've learned this. I've done enough shit stuff to know that if it's happening to me, if I can just wait, it will be funny at some point. I had a shit in Waitrose once. <laughs> I was in the cold meat aisle. I'd been awake for three days and I trusted the wrong fart. <laughs> sure. And I shit myself oh, in Waitrose. <gasps> oh, well, no. at least it was Waitrose. Yes. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in, in Lidl, they, they wouldn't like, even oh, put a call out. Normal. Be like, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> um, but again, that is one of those things that it took me a very long time. But now that's funny. It's <laughs> funny. And the, the worst things have gotten for me in my life, the more I've appreciated the ability to laugh at stuff because we have to be able to laugh. That's something that humans, that's, we, we ain't got too many good qualities, mm. but being able to laugh at ourselves is one of them. I mean, we all feel like we know you, Lorraine, and that's why mm. I feel like I know you, Rosie, because you're lovely. <laughs> um, but I remember you made me laugh. I remember the, the first time that we sat talking on your show and I was absolutely shitting myself not not waitrose no that's it I didn't yeah no that's all right it wasn't a shart (laughs) um but just the way that you 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 are so yourself and you are so wonderful to be around you're so calming and you're so charmingly funny just about the world and things I can't remember what it was that was on before at my first interview with you but you were just we were taking a piss out of it together (laughs) and it was so lovely um, because I knew again because I'm me so I'm watching my own life like it's a film so I knew what you do you you were were calming me down because in a minute we're going to go on the telly in front of a million people but I was really appreciating the fact that you were laughing about what was happening around us we have to we have to but see what you said a really interesting thing which is if we don't have voices in our heads, if we if we don't have that and we've never experienced that, I would always have thought they were different voices, but you say it's your voice yeah. in your head. Yeah. And mm. that is really scary, right? That's yeah. frightening. I think the, the thing about it is, and again, this is something that I've learned over time and, and been able to describe, is the fact that I do describe it as a voice in my head and I personify it if I'm mm. doing videos of work and stuff like that as a separate thing, but I've not got chat happening i've just got i've got one set of thoughts and they're all mine but 90 percent of them are awful Mm. so uh, again i was i was a drug addict and uh, alcoholic and it was only when I i got rid of all of those things i slowly started to get to a place where i was clean and sober and if you go through rehab and stuff they're like, ah, your problems, drink and drugs. So mm. you stop doing that, you'll be sorted. So I did, and my life got worse. So it took me quite a long time to get to a point where I was actually listening to what was happening in my head. All of the worst things I've ever done were done sober. And I talk about, that's what the, the book is essentially just a, a, a log of all the worst things that I've ever done. And I was with my ex when um, the worst thing that I did sort of came out and we were, we were together and she said... Um, she said, you have, to, you have to live with the fact that you've done this now. And, I, and that was the first time I'd ever considered the reality of living with the consequence of an action. Mm. Um, because I've always felt like I'm going to die soon. So you just, I just continue. I've always been like, oh, well, you, yeah, it doesn't matter if you do shit stuff because you're going to die. Right. Um, but when I remember her saying that, and uh, that was the first time, as soon as I realised that I'd have to live with knowing I was somebody that could do that, was the moment that I realised that I couldn't lived with that and that was that was the first time that I ever really really heard the voice in my head 
change and become something that I actually saw as, as separate. It's been a long time. It's uh, 10 years, uh, next month since I got was stood on the wrong side of, the, of a bridge. That was weird. I didn't even touch that monk. What the... <laughs> absolutely terrifying. Didn't move. There you go. Um, uh, yeah, I did, yeah, that was 10 years ago since I did that. But something that I find very difficult to e explain is that I wasn't suicidal when I was going to try and kill... when I was trying to kill myself. I was tired. Um, I was tired. I was uh, on drugs. I was sick of watching anybody that I cared about have to be around me. And so I was, I was knackered. And I was just like... and I didn't care so much that so I was like, I'm going to die. There was five years between that moment, me not killing myself, literally there, to what I now live with, which is being suicidal. And that's a mindset. That's very difficult to understand because, again, the, 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 the social chat about suicide is the fact that, you know, that when you start talking about it, people are looking back on it and there are violins that come out and it's sort of spoken about as if it's the, the, the worst moment of somebody's life, which at some point improved which is a common experience of it. Not my experience of it. Mm. Um, again, when I was going to kill myself, it was because I was knackered. Now, I think about it all the time, and they're very, very different things. And that's, that's, that's the really difficult thing to try and navigate, to explain how that feels and explain why talking about bluntly, as mm. I do, uh, is necessary for me. Mm. Um, because that's the only way... I know that I'm not going to kill myself. This is not a good plan for me on my worst days because on my worst days, I've only got one idea and I know that. And uh, so the fact that I'm sat it's not an accident that I'm sat here. It's not an accident that I asked to come on on your show again. I, I mean it. There was, there was such a large part of me being here, Lorraine, is because of what you've done for me. Because because you 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 I, I you didn't know me. You didn't know me. I sat. I, I was talking about doing a musical once with my dad. You didn't. You, you, and I, that has I remember. Yeah. Yeah. you did yeah. that. Yeah, of course. You and did. you followed me, and I was like, yeah. oh, Lorraine follows me. <laughs> you, that within two weeks, you followed me, and Brian Cox, Doctor Brian Cox. Followed me as well, Professor Brian oh, Cox. In good yeah, company. That, absolutely. And I didn't say anything for about two years because I was like, I can't, I can't embarrass myself because <laughs> it's Lorraine and Brian Cox. Um, but because you enabled me to do that, I've told so many more people that I'm not all right. Yeah, and that's that's good. That's yeah, good. Absolutely. It's a yeah. good thing. I have to stop being shocked that I'm not a big fan of myself. That's the thing that I've that I had to come to terms with because I've. I, Every day I used to go to sleep. I was like, I hope I feel better tomorrow. And I never felt better tomorrow. So what do I do then? Like, there comes a point where you're like, okay, well, I have to stop expecting this to change. Mm. And as soon as I stopped expecting something to be different when it never was, I was able to stop building on top of the, the foundation that I had. It wasn't my fault that I felt like that. The, the things that I, you know, I don't, I don't pick how I feel. I just I pick what I do while I'm feeling it. Mm. So, you know, what I'm doing today while I'm feeling shit, because I do feel like shit, is I'm here. Yes. Yeah. Which I, we're very glad. Yes. Very glad. Me too. Not us. you are. Thank you. Are. So when were you first diagnosed? With borderline personality yeah. disorder. That was five years, 2018, 2017, 2018, four or five years ago. My psychiatrist at the time, a mm. uh, very nice psychiatrist, he was kind of, he looked like a sort of middle-aged Santa. If he, uh, oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. That's the doctor you want. Absolutely. I don't know why I've said that, because he didn't, he just, he, he didn't Wholesome. even have a beard. Yeah, he was just, <laughs> he was just a, a chubby man. Yeah, like okay. a, who, I don't even know how tall he was. I only ever saw him sat down. But he, um, he, when I was sort of off me nut, he was great with me. But 
I was never in a position that I was be he was going to be able to help me because I was just I was I was high. But when I was finally clean and sober, I went back to him because I felt like he was a good person to be around. And uh, he didn't tell me what it was at first when when I I'd been seeing him again for a couple of months, and I asked. And he didn't want to tell me because being manipulative is, is a, a very large part of personality disorders. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, questionable whether or not it's a good thing to tell me, as he said, is because he understood how I worked, which was if I know something, I can then learn about it and manipulate things around my life because of it. Mm. That is, that's a common thing about personality disorders. So I, that was it was. But for me, Rosie, it was such a nice thing. To know that it was the it's thing. a relief, right? Yeah, 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 because it was the thing. You know, my expectation of the fact that I was absolutely mental was, you know, legitimate. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I thought nobody else could have done the things that I did and, and thought, as soon as I found out that it was the thing, I was like, well, that's that's great because I can fix the thing. Mm. There's books about it. You know, mm-hmm. like that was that was great. But there was not. When I told my ex at the time, that was a happy day for me. And I phoned and I said, good news, I've got a personality disorder. And, uh, you know, with regular therapy in five to ten years, it might go away. And that wasn't a cheery moment for everybody around me. But it was for me, of course not. Because personality personality is the thing that you meet in a person. Mm -hmm. So that's what you judge who you're talking to with uh, w- by their personality. To, so to say my personality is disordered is difficult. And I remember her saying, you know, if your personality is disordered, maybe I was wrong about you because that's the thing that I fell in love with. So it's a, it's a um, difficult thing to navigate. Do you not think it's what you, you said? There's got to be a better term for it. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Mm. Yeah. Because... I really like your personality. Thank you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it, it doesn't. And, and and I don't like the fact that the label's been stuck on you. It's yes. That there's something wrong with it. That's it. Again, is the the fact that it, the personality thing is there, is really really debilitating for people to understand. I just wonder what you were like as a wee boy. Yeah. I, well, as a little boy, I was a little old man. I was like Benjamin Button if he did magic <laughs> tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a novelty item. Yeah, I am. Um, there are only two types of pictures of me under. 10 and that is the awkward one that you have in a school hall with your jumper um, and then the others are pictures of me in uh, three-piece suits because uh, that's all I had I had a trunk of three-piece suits I had uh, for every uh, two-piece suit I had three waistcoats and elasticated ties and my life was going to school getting bullied coming home and then I would take my uniform off I'd get the video camera out and I'd film myself doing shows with costume changes for about two and a half, three hours. And then I would watch that two and a half, three hours back and then I'd go to sleep and then I'd wake up the next day and do it again. I did that for my entire childhood. And then when I was working, you know, sort of in theatres and stuff like that, I was around adults all the time. So I knew I didn't understand children, but I did understand adults. Even at five or six years old, I knew what being patronised meant before I'd even heard the word patronised. Mm. So uh, that, that's how I grew up. Was that's that. hugely perceptive. Yeah. But a wee boy. Five, six, seven, eight. Mantis, slide, ball, change, starfish. Shoulder inversion, shoulder inversion, tiramisu, weight, beef. Toe, beef toe, beef toe. We have to talk about the lockdown. Go on. Because 
the dancing. <laughs> it's just hmm? the Jewel. best. The be- the thing for me that I remember about COVID and all the staying at home and doing nothing was those videos. Yeah. They were brilliant. Unbelievable. So funny. <laughs> Thank oh, you. I'm a little bit... I do have a bone to pick with you, though, because there isn't a dance move named after my mother. <laughs> oh, uh, you no, have to do one. Uh, no, you got... Name I got, one out, uh, both of us. <laughs> yes, I did. But, I mean, I did slip it in discreetly. That's good, poor choice of words. That's, I said um, Keish Lorraine. Keish Lorraine. Keish Lorraine, yeah. yeah. I did say Keish Lorraine. Yeah. Now, look, if you haven't seen these, for goodness sake, go onto YouTube, because they're absolutely brilliant. How do we sum it up, though? Especially you in a very tight-fitting leotard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dancing and did you have the food. leotard ready to go? Oh, yes. yes. Did you? So this <laughs> this is I've, I've, I've again I don't plan many things and one thing I definitely didn't plan was any of this. My now girlfriend Holly, we had met that Christmas in Panto, uh, in Norwich. And we got together that February. So it was February 2020. Uh, we became an item. And then I went up to meet her mum and dad. And we were there for two days to just sort of have something to eat and uh, to meet them. And I knew that I was having to leave that day. I was just trying to kill time, really, because I, I, I knew that something was going to happen. We were watching on Instagram. We were just refreshing mm-hmm. things. And there was somebody that was uh, teaching dance in his front room and he sort of said hi I'm going to do a dance and he sort of pushed all his furniture back and and he did a dance and then he taught the dance he did a move called the Sugarfoot <laughs> oh that is such a thing Sugarfoot <laughs> no. yeah no, yeah he did the Sugarfoot and I laughed with Holly <laughs> for about 20 minutes and then so we were both dancing around in our spare room and uh, t- taking the mickey out of that. Um, so I, I so, and I said beef toe, and we did that once. Oh, and then she really, toe. really laughed. And I did, it was a move that I've done in panto for years that I used to call the reverse otter because it looks like an <laughs> otter reversing. But for some reason, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but she laughed so hard, I thought, shit, I can get four hours out of this. Yeah. So, so then I was just like, okay, right, well, what are we going to do then? Because if we're going to film it, because of course I had stuff in the car, I never feel like I'm enough. <laughs> So in order to go to lunch with her mum and dad for that two days, I'd done a detour via my mum's house to pick up a load of puppets okay. that I had in the shed. Right, as and you do. Just in case, you know, because like, oh, yeah. well, if I'm going to meet the parents, I've got to have some material. <laughs> I don't even do vent. Um, so, but I knew that they had costumes because there was, I knew that her mum and dad liked Rocky Horror because I'd seen a picture of her mum and dad at a Rocky Horror party right. downstairs. So I was like, ah. Where's your costumes? So they had, they had a little cupboard in the loft that we were going through. And again, I was taking as much time as I could because I didn't want to leave. And uh, there were two leotards. I chose the one that wasn't, that had uh, the, the black on it because that is just, you know, it's a little bit more slimming. Um, and yeah, we went out to the garden. We filmed it once. And then Sue Holly's mum came out and said, um, the country's locked down. And... Again, I've just met this, this woman and it shows how much that I really didn't want to leave Holly's. At no point did I question the fact that I was in the stranger's house mm-hmm. uh, with a tripod downstairs in a leotard knocking about. When she came out and told me, I was still stood there with my legs out and split sole jazz shoes. <laughs> and she said, um, so you'll probably be getting off, Joe. And, I was, and, <laughs> and uh, so I sort of shuffled, I shuffled past and like I forgot the tripod. I had to go in and then come back out of the conservatory like, sorry, I'll just take the camera. Um, uh, and, then, uh, and then honestly what happened was, was I then got in the car and I, and I left. I left and went back to where I was living in Hackney um, and it was a, a, a drive. Like Again, at that point, it's, I think it's easy to forget how... 
yes. terrifying. Yeah, it, wasn't it was that so moment. scary. Yeah, and so scary, I didn't. Uh, I was trying yep. to get food or something, but there, yep. everything was shut. So I just got straight into home and I went in and I and I stayed there. And Holly was um, I could tell that she was not okay again because I'm aware of emotions mm. and, and stuff mm. like that. Mm. So I asked why. And we choreographed it together. Well, it was something we were having fun as a team. It was both of our ideas. We had a laugh. And by the time I got into Hackney, it had had about 400,000 views. So it was getting... Uh, people had watched it. And uh, and Holly said um, uh, that she felt a bit left out because we'd done it together. Uh. But because uh, I just put it online. It's, I've been doing stuff like that for a while. Mm -hmm. And like my like ego part of me was like, oh, don't... You're, oh, it's, not, it's not our thing. It's just, like, in, inside, mm. I thought yeah. that. But because I was actively trying to be not an arsehole, I thought I'll, I'll give it some thought. And we went to sleep. And at six o'clock in the morning, I got woken up by a friend called uh, Duncan Lindsay, who's a very nice man who uh, works for the Metro. And he said, your video's had a million views. Can we do an interview oh. about it? And I said, yeah, as long as every answer that I give can be, I did it with my girlfriend. Oh. And he said, yes, so I did that. And we did the interview, we put it on. And that was, uh, that was on by eight o'clock. So when Holly woke up, I was able to go, by the way, it's a metro, it's done well. Hey. And then uh, her dad, uh, Bob, you know, she asked how's Joe's video getting on in passing and she said, uh, well, funnily enough, and he, she showed him the article and um, she said, where's he, where's he been? And, and I'd not even put petrol in the car, I'd just gone back. Um, so he said there might be something in that. So he said, you could let him tell him he can come back. Oh, oh fantastic. And I don't know where I would have been no, if it wasn't for that's that. That's amazing, uh, isn't it? Because like, that's mental. Of all the things and all the places that I could have been, yeah. I, I'm so very, very lucky. That is the, the best accident that's mm. ever happened was those dances and, and yet, meeting Holly. Do you know what? Most people watching that <laughs> would just think, there's a really talented, funny fella. Yeah. They wouldn't... Do you know what I mean, wouldn't they? That, no. And most people... Because it went global. Yeah. It was yeah. every... I mean, I remember telling you about it. Do you remember? Oh, I was in Singapore when I had... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I showed all my friends. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I was stuck in my little studio apartment, like... Oh! oh. <laughs> You've got to see this. It's just... It's genius. It was also quite amusing because nobody outside of the UK realised I was joking. Um, yeah. So that was... <laughs> yeah. That was quite weird. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that, it, that was... Yeah, and they didn't realise for at least two months as well. Yeah, there, there was the vast majority. Of the, in the entirety of May, nobody in America thought I was anything other than mental. <laughs> ah. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. It was Thank very you. funny. So do you think you were always going to be a performer? Was there ever anything else? Yeah, what if, if you hadn't done that? If I hadn't have performed, that, my family always would have been fine with whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I don't think doing anything else was ever an option because I just was. I was good at... at doing things at people. Sure. Mm. Was that, that because was. of your dad? Because your dad would have been, I mean, at that time when you were growing up, hugely successful as he continues to be. 100%, yeah. yeah. It was absolutely because of dad. Again, my childhood was being with dad at work and waiting to be uh, with dad at work. I absolutely adored him. Yeah, I still do. I love him very much. Um, but like at that age, it was bordering on creepy and like, I had his posters all around the room and I used to go on at the end of his act. I, 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 was, I started doing five minutes at the end of his show from about when I was about two and a half, three years oh. old. Yeah, and I used wow. to... Um, but I used to stand there and I used to just watch him constantly. Mm. And... At the older, as I started to do this properly, I, I've had to sort of unlearn the amount that I learnt from Dad because uh, as the older I've gotten, the more I want to get away from... Uh, I want to be my own person. Of course. Yeah. So the, that's something that I've had to do is actively learn that I can be something that isn't Dad. But my body still moves like him. And every now and then I'll see something back and go, oh, God, we've got exactly the same <laughs> posture, which is not great. 
<laughs> Not at all. It's funny because you grew up with your dad. You know, obviously, there he was, Joe Pasquale, doing his thing. Yeah. You've grown up with me doing my thing. You two have mm. quite a lot in common in yeah. some ways, haven't you? Did it, did, how did it make you feel growing up? Well, I don't know any different. It's probably the same for you. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, it's not yeah. like you started to go on the telly when I was about 15. It's always been that way. Yeah. So I just found it normal. Yeah, there's no other... Yeah, no, same. Yeah, Mm. because Dad, for me, was just like a plumber. He just plumbed in front of people. Yeah. (laughs) And and, uh, I never had any uh, negative uh, sort of uh, reflection on my life or anything like that. Exactly like you say. I've also... I've always wanted to, uh, like, have friends. Like uh, Shane Ritchie's son is also called Shane, and we're a similar age. And uh, we've met a few times, and I know that I've always been far too strong with Shane in trying to be friends mm-hmm. and that quite early on I was like ah, hi we've got stuff in common let's be mates mm. but really not got very much in common at all it's just we've got very very similar parents yeah but no as you say I had, I've got no frame of reference for anything else of course and um uh yeah no I I, I I love him very much and I miss him I don't see him enough I know that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. It, it does, it does. But you've got Holly. This is the great thing. Now, look, there you are sitting there and you've done all these amazing things. You've re- you've written a book that's in the Sunday Times bestseller list. I mean, that is very grown-up, Joe. Thank you, Lauren. That's hugely grown-up. You've got a beautiful woman in your life. On the outside looking in, I would you think, you've got it made. You've got it made. You're, you're, you are. It's, it's wonderful. And then that's why we don't understand sometimes. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. And I think that's the difficulty with mental illness as well, yeah. is because people are like, well, you, you, you look OK. Yeah. And I know yeah. I look OK. That's fine. But it's, and, which is why these things are difficult, which is why I know, because the worst thing I could ever do is pretend that I'm all right, because I'm not. I'm not. Hopefully one day I will be, but I've got to expect what I know is coming. Mm. And that's why... I try and tell people that I'm not all right. Not for any reason. I don't want to, well, I do want attention. I want attention because I don't want to hurt myself. So if I tell yeah. you this, I'm not going to hurt myself. And, and I think that's the difficulty is that there's no, there's no way of people talking about these things without people immediately you know, wanting to do something or, or just being positive about the situation. It's not mm. about being positive or negative. It's just about understanding that um, sometimes... Bad stuff is happening in the head. Mm. But if I talk about it, it's better than doing it. Well, you said something that has always stayed with me, which is what you said was just wait. You know, I remember when you remember during lockdown when you came on the show and you said, yeah, you were thinking about taking your own life. And I said, there was a sort of intake of breath. Everybody kind of went, oh, you know, and in the gallery, you know, in my ear when they're talking to you, everybody sort of took a big deep breath in. Yeah. And I said to you, what stops you? And you said, I just wait. Yeah, that's the only thing I can ever do is 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 wait. Mm. That's all I can do. Unfortunately, when I think about killing myself, which is a lot, um, it's like, you know when you've got a cold mm. and you can't remember how it feels to not have a cold? Yes. Yeah. It's that. So if I think about killing myself, I can't remember a time when I wasn't thinking that. Right. It's the only thing, in my, and it doesn't feel like I'm ever going to think about anything else. Um is a perfect example. As I've get, gotten worse because because of everything I have got, my, my brain has gotten a lot worse, a lot harder to deal with. I text my, my lovely publicist yesterday um, and one thing I do is I always turn up to work. I always come to work regardless of how I am. Um, but yesterday I was feeling so bad I had to do something I've, that I've not done before, which is I had to text Alan and say, listen, I really don't know if I'm going to be able uh, to get to the podcast tomorrow, and that that's quite a big jump for me. That's because that is uh, that's so not how I am. Yeah. Mm. But I knew that I wanted to be here. I knew that I wanted to get here, and I knew the most the safest thing I can do is tell somebody that I'm not all right in a moment. Again, I said hopefully I'll get there, but I don't know if I will. So that's that's what I do. Okay. 
that's what I do. I was waiting yesterday. This literally this time yesterday, I didn't think I was going to be alive now, but I just knew. And when I when I text Alex at saying, I don't know if I'm going to get there tomorrow. What I was saying was I was being honest to my feeling, which mm-hmm. was I think I'm going to die tonight. But I knew I wasn't going to. I also sent a separate text immediately after, which, which is, I will be okay. I did not believe that text when I right. said I will be okay, but I knew I would be because I know that I've always been okay. Yeah. I have to wait. Mm. It's the only thing I can ever do. There are posters that, that I walk past quite a lot. Uh, it just says stay. Uh, it's a, a mental illness thing. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's great because it's one of those things that you see and you're like, stay. But for me, I see something like that, which is the word stay, and then my brain goes, why? But I know that this is the only guy I'm going to get of whatever this is. I don't know why or whatever, but I, I do know this is my only go at it. And um, I just have to, I have to keep going, even when I don't want to. Because on the days that I do actually end up in, even if I wasn't planning on getting there, I've got an opportunity of doing something. Joe, you've got to keep going. I will. Mm. Please. I will. Please, I will. please, promise me. I pro- no, listen, I promise. I promise. Thank you. I won't always want to, but I will I always know. be here. I know. Good. Thank you so much. Honestly, we, mm. we could talk for hours. We could talk for hours. You are brilliant. I know you don't think that you are, but I'm just going to say it anyway. But you are brilliant. <laughs> and thank you so much. And the book, Ten Things I Hate About Me. Yes. Um, it's such a great read. It really, it helped me a lot, actually. And I know um, from the reaction you've had, it's helped an awful lot of people too. I really appreciate it. Thank you, yeah. Rosie. It's so nice to meet you. You too. Thank I have to, you. before we go away, we oh, have yes. to do our last question. Yes. Because we yeah. always have to do that. Yeah. Um, so we end each episode by getting our guests to tell their biggest fail regret and win right so it kind of ends on a high yeah but we'll start with fail my biggest fail um was uh oh what was my biggest fail oh um there's been so many i I just (laughs) um i don't know i think just 2004 that was yeah 2004 was a rough year yeah Yeah. um and i mean yeah 2004 and shipped myself in waitrose yeah, I should say that's probably on most people's <laughs> yeah. biggest yeah. fail. Yeah. <laughs> Does that go into regret as well? The yeah, okay, great. absolutely. Covering all yeah, 100%. I think yeah. that is regret, but win. What's yeah. your biggest win? I think uh, my biggest win... Mm. Oh, uh, uh, deciding to do Panto in a different place in 2019 because I'd moved from where I was in, which, in Chatham in Kent, which is uh, where I'm from, and also an armpit. Um, and <laughs> I decided to go to Norwich. And by, by going to Norwich... I'm, I met Holly and I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, so, yeah, you are. You are yeah. still here, you thank are. goodness. And Holly is an angel. Yes, she is. Absolutely. Not really half. Is. Don't know where I'd be without her. But I'd, I'd certainly be alone. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, thank you, love. Thank, thank you so you. much. Really? It's so nice to see you and it's nice to meet you. Thank you, you both. Too.